Heavenly Father, you have made us for yourself, and our hearts are restless until they rest in you. Look with compassion upon the heartfelt desires of your servants, and purify our disordered affections, that we may behold your eternal glory in the face of Christ Jesus, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. May be seated for the lesson. The psalm appointed is Psalm 95. We'll read responsively by whole verse. O come, let us sing unto the Lord. Let us heartily rejoice in the strength of our salvation. Let us come before his presence thanksgiving and show ourselves glad in him with songs. For the Lord is a great God and a great King above all gods. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands prepared the dry land. O come, let us worship and fall down, and kneel before the Lord our Maker. For he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, and the sheep of his hand. Today he will hear his voice, pardon not your hearts, as in the provocation, and as in the day of temptation in the wilderness. When your fathers tested me, and put me to the proof, though they had seen my works, Of whom I swore in my wrath that they should not enter my rest. A reading from Romans chapter 1, beginning at verse 16. I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed for from faith for faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against 
has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely, his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie, and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason God gave them up to dishonorable passions. For their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another, men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. Here ends the reading.
Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. John. Glory to you, Christ. So Jesus came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the fields that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, so Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink, for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You are right in saying, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ, When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you, am he. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise to you, Lord Christ. Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, grant that your word might be spoken here with boldness, heard with attentiveness, and obeyed with readiness through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. You may be seated. <coughs> Tom, is there a Bible in the rack under the pew there? I grab that. been saying all week, I've been saying, it's weird times, isn't it? Just strange times. Um, the, uh, the fact is, this is the kind of situation that none of us ever really imagined being in. Um, there's a lot, a lot, a lot of information that we just don't have. Um, it's really hard to know exactly what's going on, exactly how much of a threat it is. Um, and we, we all want to uh, refrain from overreacting, on the one hand. We also all want to refrain from underreacting. 
Um, and it's, it's just hard to know with the lack of information, hard to know how to respond to all of these things. That kind of uncertainty can easily lead to one of two uh, natural responses, I think. One is absolute fear, just utter terror. Um, and if you want to see what that looks like, you can go to Walmart. Um, and particularly, you can go to the paper goods aisle um, and look at how people have, uh, you know, just, I mean, at an insane rate, bought up all the toilet paper in town. Um, why? I'm not sure. There hasn't been any indication that coronavirus, you know, leads to digestive troubles or anything like that. So I'm not sure why all the concern about toilet paper, but it, it is, it does seem to be the case. That would seem to be a fear response. And, and actually, a couple days ago, I needed to go out and get something uh, for my car. I naturally went to Walmart for that first, um, and the, the cars were just filling the parking lot so much so that I thought, I better go somewhere else for this. So. Um, that is, that's a fear response, probably. Um, you know, that when people go out and buy a bunch of milk or toilet paper, things that you know, probably aren't survival goods in the first place, that seems to be a fear response. That's one extreme. The other extreme, I think, is to, to sort of you know, barrel through it. So we, we sort of bow up to it. Um, I don't know if that's, if that's a familiar response to you. Um, but, uh, but, you know, it's, it's, it's easy to look at the nation we live in, the way it's weathered so many different things, and to say, uh, this is just going to be another, you know, um, another SARS, another bird flu, another, you know, that, that sort of thing. We'll get through it. It won't, it won't leave any lasting mark. Um, that may be true. God willing, it will be true. We certainly hope that. Um, but the problem with that way of thinking is that it puts our trust in the circumstances once again. Um, so in the same way that that fearfulness, when it believes uh, the uh, things that it puts its trust in, you know, the availability of goods and, and having what we need and, um, you know, the governmental systems and that sort of thing, uh, the fearfulness puts its trust in that. And when it sees it threatened, it becomes fearful, right? That's, that's the fearful response. But the confident response is so often confident for all the wrong reasons. Um, or maybe we put our trust in our own health, God forbid, because many of us know how, how unstable and unpredictable that is. So um, the, the non-fear response, the bowing up response, the apparently courageous response so often comes not from our trust being in God and in his ability to lead us through, uh, but in, you know, in our governmental systems, in our uh, uh, health, in, in all the things that we have around us that we sort of expect to still be there. So once again, just like the fear response, it's dependent not on God, but on the circumstance. So the question that we face is how do we trust in God during these times? During these times of uncertainty, these times of, of danger. Um, and I don't just mean danger from the virus, but I mean the way that people are responding to the virus and just the uncertainty that that leaves us with. How do we respond with a holy kind of confidence? during this time, a confidence that's rooted in God. To uh, discern that, I, I did actually consider preaching from the passages that were in our lectionary today. Um, there's certainly some rich stuff to be preached from in there, Romans 1 and uh, Exodus 17 and Psalm 95 and uh, John uh, 4 when he speaks to the woman at the well and all of these things. There's a lot of richness to that. But there was one verse in particular when the bishop emailed us uh, throughout the diocese, a verse that he included uh, in his email. And I went to the chapter where that's from, Philippians chapter 4. 
Uh, and I was overwhelmed at how pertinent the response in Philippians is for us at this time. So I'm actually going to read through Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 13. And then we're going to talk a little bit about why that's important for us at this time. Is that, is that okay? Um, I don't usually break from the lectionary, but it seems like as good a time as any uh, to do that. So that's, that's what we're going to do. Um, chapter 4, beginning in verse 4, Paul says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let all men know your forbearance. Other translations say your reasonableness, your gentleness. The Lord is at hand. Have no anxiety about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is gracious, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace will be with you. I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Now that I complain of want, for I, not that I complain of want, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased, and I know how to abound. In any and all circumstances, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger. Abundance. And want. I can do all things in Him who strengthens me. One of the reasons I wanted to focus on this passage is that these words, which are spread throughout this passage, may be some of the least understood words in the letters of Paul. First of all, let's understand the context. Okay? Where is Paul writing this letter from? For my Bible scholars in the, in the, uh, Congregation. Where, where is Paul writing this letter from? Prison. 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 His circumstances are not great, in other words. It's entirely possible that he's under house arrest, which is a situation uh, that some of us will come to relate to in the next couple of weeks. Uh, especially those of us with kids, by the way. Um, or jailers, as we'll come to call them. Um, He's, he's in prison. He's writing from prison. He's writing from a situation where his circumstances are very, very bad. Right? Now, often we read these words of Paul. We read, rejoice in the Lord always. And we come apart, uh, we come away from that with this sense of kind of a, a victorious Christian living that we can just, if we put on a happy face, you know, everything's going to be okay. Or we read, uh, the peace of God will keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And we miss that part that says, which passes understanding. A peace which doesn't depend on circumstances. Or we'll read that second paragraph. We'll say whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure. Think about, about these things. We walk away from that with the sense that, um, well, like the old bluegrass song says, the old gospel song, you know, keep on the sunny side, always on the sunny side. That's kind of what we walk. We walk away with a sense of, of kind of vapid optimism. Or, and this one I hear a lot, and this is the one that's probably uh, the sin most grievously committed on bumper stickers and T-shirts. 
We see in verses 10 through 13, we see picking out this phrase, I can do all things in him who strengthens me. And we neglect what things Paul is talking about. What things is he talking about? What are the things he can do in Christ who strengthens him? He can be content in whatever state he's in. He can know how to be abased and how to abound. He can face plenty and hunger, abundance and want. It's for that reason that the translation, I can do all things, is probably better understood as I can endure all things in Christ who strengthens me. Paul is talking about the patient endurance that comes with weathering all sorts of circumstances in life. The ups and the downs. The times of prosperity and the times of disaster. The times of blessing. The times of crisis. That's what Paul's talking about. I share that with you because it's vitally important that during this time the world look at us as the church and not see people who are fearful because the circumstances are bad. Or see people whose strength only comes from their belief that the circumstances are not as bad as they seem. It is vital that then when the world look at us, they see a peace which passes understanding. A peace that does not depend on the circumstance. That they look at us and they see, see a people who rejoice in spite of many reasons not to rejoice. People who choose to take joy in God anyway. It's vital that, they, that when they look at us, they see people who know how to be abased and how to abound, how to get along in any and all circumstances, how to face plenty and hunger and abundance and want, not because of their own inner strength, not because of their stick not because of their, their uh, uh, personal uh, courage, but because of the God that they have, because of Christ who strengthens them. It's also important that they look at us and see a people who are not anxious about anything. But rather than becoming anxious, turn to God in prayer and supplication. I love the way Paul puts it here that that have no anxiety about anything. So that's that's the statement. Have no anxiety about anything. But why? How? What's the rest of that? The rest of it is. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, make your requests be made known to God. Have no anxiety about anything, but pray. Turn to God in prayer. Bring the concerns of, of your life, of yourself, of your neighbors, of your community, of your world. Bring those concerns to God in prayer, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving for God's good blessings. Turn to Him in prayer and make those requests known to Him. It's important, in other words, that the world see us as compassionate people. Paul tells those in Philippi, he says, I rejoice that you have revived your concern for me. It's a good thing, Paul says, for the church of Philippi to be concerned for him, to care for him, to care about his circumstances, to be concerned that he's in prison, to be concerned for his welfare, for his, his well-being. It's important that the world look at the church and see a group of people that are concerned for the well-being of others. In other words, a group of people that take seriously God's command not only to love the Lord your God, but also to love your neighbor 
as yourself. During this time, the church, in other words, has an opportunity. The church has an opportunity to show the world something that the world does not have. A spring of living water that comes not from the circumstances, not from wells in dry places, not from rains that come and go, but a spring of living water within ourselves, which is the presence of Christ in us. An eternal spring that grows and wells up in us, leading to eternal life, which others can participate in. That's what the world needs to see. So I don't want to do anything more this morning except to reiterate Paul's encouragement to the people of Philippi. Paul's encouragement written from within his own prison, from under house arrest, from a time when circumstances were bleak for him. Rejoice in the Lord Always. Rejoice in the Lord always. Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely and gracious, think about these things. Learn how to be abased and how to abound in any and all circumstances. Learn to endure all things through the strength of Christ. And again, I say, rejoice. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us stand and confess our faith in the words of the Nicene Creed. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is visible and invisible. We believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, eternally begotten Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven, was incarnate in the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and was made man. For our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead. And his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son. The Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified. He has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead. Let us pray for the church and for the world with a special intention for our nation during this time of crisis. I bid your prayers for our nation. I bid your prayers for the repentance of all people, that God would show mercy to us in bringing us to repentance and show his forgiveness to us.
Lord, in your mercy. I pray for all of those who are ill. I bid your prayers for those who suffer, uh, for all health care providers who work with them, for their safety and for their skill in bringing healing to those who suffer. Lord, in your mercy. I bid your prayers for the church, that in this time she would conduct herself with love and compassion and bear witness to the world of the love of Christ. Lord, in your mercy. I bid your prayers that God's intervention would stop the spread of the virus across the nation and around the world. Lord, in your mercy. Almighty and immortal God, giver of life and of health, we implore in your mercy to stop all the spread of the novel coronavirus, healing for all infected by the novel coronavirus, that by your blessing upon them and upon those who minister to them with your healing gifts, they may be restored to health of body and mind according to your gracious will and may give thanks to you in your holy church. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Let us humbly confess our sins to Almighty God. Almighty God, Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, maker and judge of us all, we acknowledge and demand our many sins and offenses which we have committed by thought, word, and deed against your divine majesty, provoking most justly a righteous anger against us. We are deeply sorry for these our transgressions. The burden of them is more than we can bear. Have mercy upon us. Have mercy upon us, most merciful Father. For your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ's sake, forgive us all that is past, and grant that we may evermore serve and please you in the means of life, the honor and glory of your name, through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, who in his great mercy has promised forgiveness of sins to all those who sincerely repent and with true faith turn to him, have mercy upon you, pardon and deliver you from all your sins, confirm and strengthen you in all goodness, and bring you to everlasting life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Hear the word of God to all who truly turn to him. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. If anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Please stand. The peace of the Lord be always with you. You may be seated. You'll notice we didn't shake hands during this piece. Um, My friends, the Walkers, are visiting from Columbia, uh, South Carolina, uh, my old parish, uh, Church of the Apostles there. 
And uh, what they recommended there was during the piece to, um, can you show us, Shannon, what they, what they do? There you go. It's like a, like a fist bump, but it's in the sign of the cross. So um, it's holier. Um, so uh, I, I do apologize for the strangeness of this Sunday and for the fact that, um, you know, I'm, I'm sort of trying to make all this up as I go. Um, I have uh, spoken at length over the last week with uh, folks from the diocese and other priests of other churches to try to figure out sort of what the best way of responding to this is. I mentioned we don't want to be overreactive, nor do we want to be underreactive. And so uh, the way we've decided to respond for now um, is to uh, limit our, our time together to this time on Sunday morning, our principal gathering. Um, we've decided to continue communion for the moment, although we'll receive only in one kind. So we'll just receive the bread. Um, there's precedent for that in church history. And although it's not maybe not ideal, uh, we do believe that it's, uh, it's nevertheless a full reception of communion. Um, we're also asking um, folks to you know, make up their own minds about whether they'll come or not. Um, the diocese has asked us to encourage uh, folks over 60 to, to consider staying home. Um, I'm not going to require that of anybody unless I hear you sniffle. So, um, you know, tread, tread carefully there. Um, no, in all seriousness, I, I've just got to level with you guys. This, it, it feels like a lot of responsibility. I care very deeply for you all. Um, and it's, it's hard to know exactly how to respond uh, to this in a way that's both wise and safe. So I'm, I'm doing my best. Please bear with me. Um, if I if I misstep during this time, uh, I, I assure you it's out of a, a desire to keep you all safe and, and care for you all. So um, certainly keep me and, and the rest of this parish in your prayers in the coming weeks. Um, we uh, I also you'll notice I left some hand sanitizer back there for you guys to use. Um, and you'll see me uh, during communion. You'll see me disappear for a brief moment. Uh, that's because I'm going to like wash my hands and scrub in basically. Uh, to make sure that I'm not passing along anything to you guys, because as you know, I have two small children at home, and children are germ magnets. So um, anyway, uh, like I said, please keep us in your prayers, and, and keep one another in your prayers, uh, and really our whole community as we uh, all try to discern how to respond to this very strange uh, situation. All things come of thee, O Lord.
is right, our duty and our joy, always and everywhere, to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. You bid your faithful people cleanse their hearts and prepare with joy for the Paschal Feast, that fervent in prayer and in works of mercy, and renewed by your word and sacraments, they may come to the fullness of grace which you have prepared for those who love you. Therefore, we praise you, joining our voices with angels and archangels, and with all the company of heaven, who forever sing this hymn to proclaim the glory of your name. Jesus Christ, our Lord. 
by him and with him and in him, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. And now, as our Savior Christ has taught us, we are bold to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen.
almighty and ever-living God, we thank you for feeding us in these holy mysteries with the spiritual food of the most precious body and blood of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, and for assuring us through the sacrament of your favor and goodness towards us, that we are true members of the mystical body of your Son, the blessed company of all faithful people, and are also heirs through the hope of your everlasting kingdom. And we humbly ask you, Heavenly Father, to assist us with your grace, that we may continue in that holy fellowship and do all the good works that you have prepared for us to walk in. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, to whom with you and the Holy Spirit, in all honor and glory, now and forever. Amen. May God the Father, who does not despise a broken spirit, give you a contrite heart. May Christ the Son, who bore our sins in his body on the tree, heal you by his wounds. May the Holy Spirit, who leads you into all truth, speak in our hearts words of pardon and peace. And the blessing of Almighty God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, be among you and remain with you always.